Well, welcome again to Current. My name is David Coster. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, today, we're continuing our series, Rhythms for Life, as we explore spiritual practices that can transform our lives. And the hope is really just that, that these would be spiritual practices, these rhythms for life, that they wouldn't be things that we just implement and benefit from during shelter in place, but things that we can benefit from going forward and for the rest of our lives. And so kicking off the series a few weeks ago, we were looking at inward, upward spiritual practices, practices of prayer and solitude, Christian meditation, gratitude, rest. Well, today we're going to shift focus and considered an outward focus, specifically the spiritual practice of fellowship. That is relationship with others or relationship in community, something that's of vital importance uh, just during normal times, let alone during shelter in place. But in shelter in place, we've got to be especially mindful and creative about it. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 17. Uh, this is a text we visited a few weeks ago. As we looked at another spiritual practice, we're going to continue in this text and see how it points us into more fellowship. So Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. All right, we learn at least three things here about fellowship. Number one, the, we're going to see the discipline of fellowship. Number two, the ways of fellowship. And number three, the power for fellowship. So the discipline of fellowship, the ways of fellowship, and the power for fellowship. So first, the discipline of fellowship. Look at the wording here. In verse 12, it tells Paul, the writer here, is telling us to clothe ourselves with. Verse 14, to put on. Verse 15, let rule in your hearts. Verse 16, to let dwell among you richly. All this is to say is fellowship is not something that just happens automatically. It's something that we have to choose. It's something that we have to be intentional about. I mean, think about this phrase, to clothe yourselves with. I mean, you know, just as if every morning, unless you're Steve Jobs with his black uh, uh, turtlenecks or Mark Zuckerberg with his v-neck shirts, I mean, chances are you're very deliberate about choosing what you're going to wear that day. Uh, as a little fun sidebar, Cindy was telling me the other day, the kids came and asked her if she had any see-through clothes they could wear. And she's like, see-through see clothes? What are you you talking about? Turns out, I mean, these guys are eight years old, six years old. They were when they meant see-through clothes. They were they're talking about clothes in which other people couldn't see them. Clothes that would make them invisible. She's like, oh yeah, I also don't have that. But yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> the point here, of course, is that we need to be intentional. We we need to be deliberate in terms of taking on fellowship, just like we put on clothes. Some of us are are clothing ourselves in pajamas all day, every day during shelter in place, and it's 
glorious. Uh, in the same way, we need to clothe ourselves intentionally, deliberately with fellowship. Now, Paul doesn't go into the reasons explicitly for why we need fellowship, but it's pretty clear. You need others and others need you. And this is especially true during uh, shelter in place. I mean, as a pastor, I just think about all those in our community who don't have the loving, you know, wonderful, warm community that we have at current, who are, who are in, in a lot of senses, going this pandemic alone. Uh, we need to clothe ourselves in fellowship if we have it available to us. Now, when he says you need to clothe yourselves, it's interesting. He's saying something that we don't quite uh, understand in our English. It doesn't quite translate all that well because he's using a, a tense, a verb tense that we don't have in English. Uh, what he's saying when he's saying clothe yourselves, it is, he's also conveying a sense of urgency. He's saying clothe yourselves and, and don't delay. D have a sense of urgency in, in getting yourself into fellowship. Which is really important. I mean, I regularly hear as a pastor that, oh, yeah, you know, I'll get into a group at some point. Or I'll at some point dig into community at the church, you know, as I can. But the reality is, it's often during times when we most need community that it's already too late if we haven't already built it in. And so Paul is saying, don't delay. With a sense of urgency, clothe yourselves in fellowship. And he really talks about fellowship in two senses here. First, he talks about in the corporate sense. If you look down at verse 15, you see that he's talking about one body. That is the local church. As we gather collectively, even as we are doing it virtually today, that we are to sing psalms over each other, uh, sing hymns and, and psalms, uh, ministering to one another that way. And what's interesting, even virtually, is that this is, this is happening. I was talking to a buddy at Current just the other week who was saying when they first found out that we had to shift to online services, you're just like, oh man, it's gonna be terrible. I don't wanna do this. It's gonna be lame, not really meaningful. But then he went ahead and, and logged on that first Sunday and he said, oh my goodness, it actually was very meaningful, very moving and powerful. The music and, and, and just, just having this idea that while I couldn't see everybody, but just knowing that everybody was logging in at the same time, there was, there was just a real power and sense of community and of fellowship there. The team does a great job to help us experience this. There's a ministry that we receive and that we give to others as we sing, as we, as we gather collectively in a large group setting. Uh, there's fellowship that way. But Paul's real emphasis here in Colossians 3, of course, is interpersonal relationships. One-to-one uh, -one fellowship, or fellowship in the home, or fellowship in small groups. Which is why it's not coincidence that today we are combining this topic, this series, uh, this, this message in this series, with launching summer groups. Uh, we want to do our best as a church to set the table for you to take a next step into community, especially as we, we shift seasons here. Uh, we just ended the last semester of small groups. We're now getting ready to start a new one in the summer. And, we, and our hope is, especially if you're not in a group right now or if you've never experienced one, to consider one, even if it is on Zoom. Now, I recognize that Zoom has all its challenges. I have a little bit of a love-hate relationship with Zoom myself. But overall, I'm just grateful that we have this tool, this means to stay connected or to develop relationships in a way that we would otherwise be missing out on and, and missing time when it comes to developing and cultivating relationships in fellowship. So we encourage you to take advantage of it. Our leaders do a great job of kind of breaking down the barriers and awkwardness of Zoom. And while I thought originally 
confessional here that when we got into Zoom, it was going to be weird and like it wasn't going to be really effective. Turns out it's been great. It's been really helpful. All the groups have really benefited from it, especially in the midst of shelter in place. We don't know how long this thing's going to go, but we encourage you with a sense of urgency to consider one of these groups. One of the groups you could choose from are what we call current groups. Those are Bible studies where we just get together and collectively look at a, a, a section of scripture and study it for ourselves, reflect on it, apply it to our lives. Then we share our lives and we pray for one another to the extent we feel comfortable doing. Another group that we're going to be doing this summer is, is what we're, what's called Rooted. And this is really developing uh, spiritual foundational rhythms into our lives. It dovetails really nicely out of the series that we're in. And so and it's great for wherever you are on your spiritual journey, whether, whether you're new to the faith or whether you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time. The group is really what it makes it what it, it's to be. And so there's going to be two young professional groups doing Rooted this, this summer. And then there's going to be another all-stage-of-life group. And if we need more, we can, we can think about that, putting that together. But we, we encourage you to think about Rooted, if that sounds interesting to you. And then if you're, you're, you're here and you're exploring the Christian faith, you don't identify as Christian, we have groups available to you as well. Let us know if that's something you're interested in. Typically, for instance, we run a group called Alpha, where it's a safe place to ask questions. And so you can come and, and hear, you know, watch a video on a Christian topic and then have a discussion afterwards. If you think that's something a, a friend or a family member that you know would be interested in, boy, now's a great time to let them know about it because it's not like distance is, is an issue there. We can do it uh, virtually. But the point is we're trying our best as a church family to offer up these ways to take a next step, for each of us to take a next step in fellowship because there's a discipline of fellowship. That's the first thought. The second thought is the ways of fellowship. Uh, in this text, Paul lists out at least 12 traits that we, are, we ought to be and do for others. Uh, we can't go into, into great depth in each of these, of course, but verse 12 gets into five traits listed out here. It says, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We need to clothe ourselves in these ways. We need to clothe ourselves with compassion. What's that mean? Well, in the original language, it's actually a compound word, two words making one, and it actually more literally means tender mercies, but it actually the force of, of meaning is it's a deep empathy that we feel for others, so much so that it moves us to our core and moves us to action. It's something that, that perhaps leads us to pray for somebody, perhaps leads us to meet a tangible need, or maybe, and maybe even best yet, leads us to just sit in it with them. If someone's bringing a problem, a struggle, or even a joy of life, just to experience and sit in that with them. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, pastor and martyr in Nazi Germany, said the great ministry that Christians ought to hold out for one another and receive one another is the ministry of listening. So often Christians feel like they just need to solve one another's problems. That when someone comes to them and shares a problem or a struggle or just even a, a thought or feeling, it's the knee-jerk response of, to say, oh, I know what you should do. Or I, I know what you can do. But Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, no, 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 just, just listen and let that be enough. It might lead you to pray. It might lead you to meet a tangible need. But if it just causes you to listen and sit in it with them, then there's already a wonderful ministry that's being had there. And that can't be 
any more important than it is right now during shelter in place as we're all experiencing life in our own unique ways with the different pressures, stresses, that we need to just be able to, to, to share what's going on and just be heard. But if you think about being clothed in compassion, it reminds us that if we don't have point number one, the discipline of fellowship, we can't receive compassion from others, nor can we offer it to others. We have to be disciplined about being in fellowship to give and receive compassion. That's the first thought. We need to clothe ourselves with compassion. The second one, well, we'll combine two here, is we need to clothe ourselves with kindness and gentleness. Now, these really are traits that are similar. The kindness has been described as a sweetness of disposition. Gentleness is often described in scripture as the opposite of severity. Uh, my mom is the kindest, uh, gentlest person on the planet that I know. It's amazing to me. This side of parenthood, it just, it just amazes me. Whenever I got into trouble or you know got into just a mess or whatever I was doing, you know, she would she wouldn't just let it go. She she'd come and, and and let me know and you know reprimand me or discipline me. But she I can't remember a single time she raised her voice at me. Which again, this side of parenthood, I, I don't know if I could go a week without doing that with my kids. <laughs> Frankly, I'll talk more about that in a minute, uh, confessionally. But she's just so gentle with me and kind. We need to be, we need to clothe ourselves with gentleness, kindness. We need to clothe ourselves with humility. Now, humility isn't just you know, the opposite of the person who puffs out their chest and just displays, I'm better than you. C.S. Lewis very famously put it this way, humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. I've heard it described this way, when we lack humility, we're gonna be whipsawed. When we lack humility, we're gonna experience whipsaw. Uh, that means when we receive, for instance, a criticism, it's gonna overly sadden us or overly anger us. We're just gonna dwell on it, it's just gonna, just gonna you know, we're just going to seethe on it. And then when we receive a compliment, it's going to overly elate us, probably puff us up. Again, not in a, now we're going to go tout it, but just in, on the inside. Either way, we're thinking a lot about ourselves all the time. But humility is not thinking less of ourselves. It's thinking of ourselves less. Uh, Paul, in another letter uh, to the church in Philippi, described humility as putting the interests of others before our own. That's considering others first and more. Uh, we need to clothe ourselves with humility and we need to finally clothe ourselves with patience. If kindness and gentleness refer to our basic approach to others, then patience refers to the kind of reaction we should display. Patience denotes a, the self-restraint from reacting too hastily that can result in injury or insult. I imagine patience is hard to come by right now in shelter in place, in the home, perhaps even with others over Zoom. I tend to guess that it's hard to do all of these things right now, clothe ourselves with all of these things in the midst of shelter in place with all the stress and pressures, and strains on us. But that's why all the more we need to choose to clothe ourselves with these virtues. Here's what I suggest we do before moving on. If you could, grab a little piece of paper if you have one next to you. You can use your phone, your notes section, or, or just do this mentally. But list out the five traits that we've been talking about. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. And then next to each one of these traits, rank yourself on a scale of one to five. 
Five being you just exude this trait, like you are Mr. or Mrs. Compassion or whatever it might be. One being you just, you have none of it. Like your tank is like totally empty. Like you're not compassionate, you're not kind, whatever, whatever that might be. But just rank yourself on a, on a scale of one to five. And then look back on that list and see where you rank lowest. By the way, if, if during this process, you're not just thinking about it from your own perspective, how compassionate or kind, you're not just ranking yourself in these ways, but you're ranking your spouse or your roommate or, or whatever, you know, someone else, then go ahead and dock yourself you know, on humility or compassion or whatever it might be. Uh, this is for our own selves. And here's what I suggest you do. Look at that list and rank yourself and look at the lowest li- on, on the list. And could you this week commit to trying your best to clothing yourself with that trait? With all disclosure, I'm going to try to clothe myself this next week with patience. I could, <laughs> I've been lacking a little bit in patience with shelter in place. Uh, for instance, this week I was writing the sermon. And of course, I'm doing that from my room. We put a, you know, put a little desk up for me, and the kids are running in and out. And when I'm writing a sermon, you know, as if as as when any you're doing any deep work, it sets me back 15, maybe even more than 30 minutes sometimes with each interruption. I mean, you just get your train of thought going, and then you get interrupted, and it's just and so it's easy for me to lack patience, respond just kind of too hastily. And kids, I, no, I need you to get out of the room. I'm in the middle of a thought type deal. Well. I'm literally thinking about these things, writing these things and be like, okay, Lord, <sighs> patience it is. <laughs> I try to close myself with patience. And of course, you know, one of my, my children who will remain nameless came in again. And this time I'm like, ah, I need to close myself with patience. Come here, come here. How are you doing, little one? How, how's your day going? Tell me about it. Okay. Okay, you're doing good? Okay, good. Hey, do you see that daddy's working right now? Yeah, yeah. You know, if, if you can just help me get through this without uh, interruptions, if possible, that'll help me get back to, you know, helping you with your schoolwork or we can go out and play or whatever it might be. But do you think you can help me with that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Now get out. No, no, no. But I'm going to try to clothe myself with patience. How can you be intentional with this? How can you clothe yourself with one of these ways? Uh, Those are just five of the traits that Paul lists out here. We can't go into all of them in great detail. I just want to mention two more uh, real briefly here. He says in verse 13 that we need to bear with and forgive one another. Now, bearing with is an interesting one here. It's very important. It essentially means to put up with people who you find otherwise irritating. It's putting up with, loving and caring for people. It's deciding, you know what? I'm not going to just write them out of my lives because I just can't stand them. Um, Which is such a hard thing, first of all, but also a beautiful thing. Because I love the analogy that God calls us to, as a church body, to be a family for one another. I mean, just like, let's say, your brother or a particular uncle, maybe just you need to bear with them. You're not going to just say, oh, I'm not I'm not having anything else to do with you. I mean, you could do that, but you wouldn't want to. You have to bear with them. We are called to bear with others. You know why this is wonderful? Because others need to bear with us. I mean, it doesn't matter your temperament or personality. Someone somehow is going to have to bear with you as well. We need to bear with one another, love and care for one another because we're called to be there for each other as brothers and sisters of Christ. It doesn't mean you have to be buddy-buddy with them, but it means you need to intentionally find ways just to love and care and not just write them off or just just be irritated with them. Bear with, love, care, serve. Uh, Bear with one another. We also need to forgive one another. And of course, this is absolutely critical because this is something we all need more often than we probably care to admit 
or recognize. We all need forgiveness and we all need to offer forgiveness. Why? Because we are all far from perfect. And any and every community, including churches, need forgiveness. Current is not a perfect church. Uh, far from it. We all desperately need Jesus. And the reality is we need to learn to get better and better at offering forgiveness for one another, even as we need to receive forgiveness. In fact, Paul here goes on to say, forgive as the Lord forgave you. The truth is we don't like to extend forgiveness to others. The reason for that is because forgiveness is costly. Forgiveness is a debt wiped away. It's a payment waived. There's a cost there because when someone wrongs you, it hurts. When someone really wrongs you, it really hurts. And when someone close to you wrongs you, it hurts all the more. But the reality is we all need it and we all need to extend it. And here's the thing about forgiveness is we, whenever we wrong somebody, we, we really want forgiveness, but when, but when we've been wrong, we, we don't want to offer it. It's like we, we, we cry out justice, 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 but then when justice is pointed at us, we cry out mercy. But Christ says, as I have extended you mercy and forgiveness, so offer that freely to your brother and sister of Christ. Jesus was once asked, how many times must I forgive my brother? Seven times? And of course, the questioner was thinking, oh man, if I, if I go so far to forgive them seven times, they've offended me seven times, then that's, that's pretty good, right? You've, you've reached the limit. I mean, it's kind of the idea of, we, we have this saying in English, fool, fool me once, shame, shame on you, fool me, fool me twice, shame on me. This guy figures, as he was asking Jesus this question, like, man, if I do it seven times, forgive this person seven times, I've really done it, right? But Jesus said, I tell you, don't just forgive seven times. Forgive 70 times seven times. That's his way of saying, Always forgive. Never stop forgiving. We are called to forgive. Why? Because that's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. He has forgiven us in far ways greater than we could ever offer to those around us. Which brings us to the last thought. We've talked about the discipline of fellowship, the ways of fellowship. Finally, we look at the power for fellowship. The reality is here, we can't just mind over matter, do all these things for those in our lives. As wonderful of a calling as it is, we can't just focus on the externals and be like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to be more patient and I'm just going to work it out. That might help me for one interaction with my kids. The reality is we need to be changed from the inside out. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. God has given us this power to, to be changed from the inside out, to be and offer these things to those around us. How did the Lord forgive? God forgives often knowing that we will sin again, often in the same way. How did God forgive? He forgives all the penalty and debt of wrong we did against him. While we typically will forgive provided the offender agrees and shows proper remorse. How does God forgive? He forgives without a probationary period uh, that we just freely and immediately receive forgiveness while we typically forgive provided there's, there's a period of restoration. And how does God forgive? Well, when God forgives, it's complete and whole. Whereas typically when we forgive, not really, we are bearing a bit of a grudge still. God, on the other hand, has removed our transgressions 
as far as the east is from the west. And you know what? As God has forgiven us in these ways, he has done all of these things that we have talked about today. All these traits for us that we might begin to do that for others. God is exceedingly compassionate, kind, gracious, humble, gentle, patient. He bears with us. He forgives us. And over all these virtues, he puts on love, verse 14. He does all these things for us all the time when we don't deserve them in the least bit because that's the gospel. Look again at verses 16 and 17. I love this. We see God the Spirit and God the Son and God the Father all working together in their perfect fellowship to bring us into their fellowship with them and to fellowship with one another. That's the friend's gospel, that they work together to forgive us, sending the Son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of sins, that we might be brought into a restored relationship with God. And through that, to be brought into his family of those who have put their faith in him. All because of what he has done. Nothing that we have done on our own. All because of grace. And we receive this by faith. In fact, you can receive this today. A restored relationship with God. Life forever with him by putting your faith in him. It says to all who receive him, to all who believe on his name, he gives the right to become children of God. You could do that today, just in your heart saying, God, I, I receive what you've done for me in sending Jesus to die for the forgiveness of my sins. You can receive and start a relationship with him today because this is the gospel, that he has done this for us. And as a result, verse 12, we are his chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Holy. Isn't that interesting? Separated as sacred to him, righteous, perfectly, but not because of what we have done, but at what he has done for us. To think that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are working together in their perfect, loving, perfectly loving fellowship to bring us into fellowship with him and with one another. Who are we that we deserve this? It is all gracious, kindness, compassion, humility, and the rest of it. And so, friends, that's the power we have for community, a community that we don't deserve, one that seeks to love one another in all these ways, even when this doesn't make sense in the world's eyes. Because for the world, they see it as an every person for themselves. Maybe we'll join ourselves in fellowship in the world's eyes for the sense of what you will give for me, but the minute our friendship isn't really helpful or doing wonderful things for me, I'm out. God calls us into loving sacrificially in all these ways, clothing ourselves with compassion, kindness, gentleness, humility, in all these ways, forgiving because we are family, brought into family at what he has done for us. So that we may, verse 16, let the message of Christ dwell among us richly which is essentially that through Christ, God first loved us, that we might love him and extend that love to others. Jesus elsewhere describes the church, the body of Christ, as a city on a hill. How much, friends, are we a city on a hill right now, even as we meet virtually, as we have this community marked by these traits and virtues, covered in his forgiveness and his love, available to one another that we need to take advantage of, but also available to extend those around us. May we look for those opportunities to love in these ways in fellowship as he first loved us. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you for bringing us into your fellowship. Thank you for this fellowship you've given us at Current. Would you please help us each take a step today, this week, this summer, into community, helping us extend and receive the loving care that you call us to, to receive and, and offer one another. Would, would you please help us be especially mindful and intentional in all this during uh, the midst of shelter in place? And thank you for your help in all this through the power of the gospel. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's continue to worship through song.